All right, so let's go. This is Colts Call. You are you. We want to talk to you, so activate yourself as a caller. What we're going to talk about today is a couple of things. One, I want to talk about T.Y. Hilton. Yesterday at the Colts Complex, we heard from Frank Reich talk about T.Y. Hilton, and he said, not specific to T.Y. Hilton, but I think everybody inferred that it was about T.Y. Hilton, that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich had spoken yesterday morning about the possibility of adding a wide receiver, and I don't know who they would add among the available wide receivers. Having made it been known that they're not in the game for Julio Jones, I don't know who else they would be talking about than T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, a guy who has played only with the Indianapolis Colts, this would be his 11th season with the Colts for the last couple of years. Really, 19 and 21, he played 10 games, and he was dinged up throughout. In 2020, with Phillip Rivers as the quarterback, he was much, much, much better and uh, playing 15 games. And that's the reason I think that this makes sense. Look, with Jacoby Brissett or Carson Wentz, you're not getting the ball out on time or on target. Both those guys are really deliberate. They like to hold the ball in the pocket. They like to move around a little bit. And then they like to decide and deliver. Matt Ryan is very similar to Phillip Rivers in that he is very decisive and he gets it out quick. And so I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, they're still talking about T.Y. Hilton. And then Mo Ali Cox came to the podium and he was talking about Matt Ryan getting it out now. And you better turn your head quick coming out of your cut or he's going to hit you with the ball. The ball is going to be there when you come out of your cut. And when he said that, I thought, you know who would thrive in this system is T.Y. Hilton. This would be really good for T.Y. Hilton because if you give a guy the ball with space, and this is about anybody, not just T.Y., but if you give a receiver the ball with some space, he's going to be able to defend himself from DBs and linebackers who are headhunting or who are going after him and, and want to lay the wood to him. You get it to him with space. He can kind of measure where he's at, run, and then get defensive at the point where there's going to be contact. That helps a guy like T.Y. Hilton. It helps everybody. It will help Paris Campbell as well. Getting a guy the ball, and I used to see Jim Harbaugh do this a lot. Harbaugh did this with the Bears. He did this with the Colts. He got guys killed. He got Wendell Davis almost decapitated once, delivering him the ball way too high off target over the middle in a spot where Davis knew it when he caught the ball was just going to get killed. That's what these guys do. Some guys, they get it out on time. They're smart enough to know what the rhythm of the offense is and deliver the ball in a place where a guy can get yards after the catch. You want to know why? The Colts dropped last year from 7.7 yards per attempt with Phillip Rivers to 6.9 with Carson Wentz because of the deliberation in the pocket and delivering the ball to the receivers when they're about to get hit. You get it to the guy, you throw a guy open. You don't wait till a guy's open and then throw the football. That's what Wentz did last year. That's what Brissett did in 2019 and in 2017. I guarantee you that the receivers on the field with Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz feared for their lives when those guys were playing. Hey, activate yourself as a caller. Let's talk about this. Whether you think T.Y. Hilton should be brought back or not, the Colts still deliberating, still debating. 
We'll see if that works. T.Y. Hilton has really just had one superb year, right? I think 2014, he was really, really, really good. Third round pick out of Florida International. And and T.Y. is, by all accounts, extremely smart and a really, really good teammate and a guy who fits in that wide receiver room. You don't need him, and I don't want to talk about him as a potential leader, like a peer group leader within the wide receiver room that is really young today. They've got Reggie Wayne for that. Reggie Wayne, the new wide receivers coach, is going to serve that role. You don't need to bring the old guy back in order to activate him as a, uh, a, a mentor, as it were. You don't need that guy in that room because he got Reggie Wayne and Reggie Wayne is paid to be a mentor. He's going to be a mentor. I want receivers who can catch football and be dynamic with it. So we'll see if that comes to pass. Um, but I think it's got to be sooner rather than later. I'd like to see it get done by the time minicamp comes. And speaking of minicamp, it's going to be interesting to see whether Kenny Moore reports for minicamp or not, because the, the fine structure for missing days of minicamp, it's pretty punitive. You can get dinged almost $90,000 for missing the entirety of, of minicamp. I think you miss one day, you're at fourteen grand, something like that. The other days, it's more substantial. It's about ninety if you miss the whole thing. And if Kenny is in for a, you know, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound, right? Once you start holding out of stuff, hoping to negotiate a new contract, yikes, what are you doing? I Here's my deal, and here's the way I think Kenny Moore is thinking. Kenny Moore thinks he's going to have a tough time getting on the field other than as a lightly used slots, uh, slot corner because that's the Gus Bradley system, right? He plays a straight 4-3. And, and so they're not, he didn't play a whole ton of nickel. And what Matt Eberflus did was play almost exclusively nickels. So Kenny Moore was on the field a lot. And he's a really good run-stopping cornerback, especially out of that nickel slot. And that's how you wind up with 102, uh, 102 of those tackles, you know, from, as a cornerback. That cornerbacks do not get 102 tackles very often. It's what Kenny Moore does. And so Kenny has value, but on other teams, he might have more value. And he understands that with two years left on his contract, he's got to get while the getting's good. And while he's scheduled to be paid $6.75 million this year and $7.545 next year, if my memory serves, he has got to get to work on building a case for an extension next off season so that he can continue to make big Jack. If he thinks that the Gus Bradley schemes multiple, because it's not just a cover three, that those schemes don't feature him enough. And he's going to have a tough time measuring up to his own standards of let's say 102 tackles and four interceptions, which is what he had last year, four picks. And in fact, the last two years, he had four picks those guys get paid. You put up those numbers, you're going to get paid. If you're not on the field, it's hard to get interceptions. And if you're not on the field, it's hard to get 102 tackles. So I think Kenny Moore's ideology in terms of his contract is he loves Indianapolis, he loves the Colts, but he knows that his window for making real money is drawing to a close if he can't get on the field for a whole bunch of snaps this coming season. And that's the way he's looking at it. Uh, there are position battles that are really interesting for the Colts. And, and I want to mention those as well. And, and activate yourself as callers. I love talking to you guys. So 
um, don't get, don't become entranced with my voice. I, I want to be able to hear you as well. Um, Mo Ali Cox and Johnny Woods. That's a really, I, th- I think that that's an important position battle, but I don't think it's the be all end all because I think that both guys are going to get on the field as will Kylan Granson. There is not a quarterback in the NFL and probably in NFL history ever that has made more money for tight ends than, uh, than Matt Adams or, and, and, or Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan has got to find a way to, uh, to make these guys a lot of money, and those guys are going to have to find the field in order to be able to do that. Uh, let's talk to Bruce. Bruce, make sure and unmute yourself. How are you doing this afternoon, Bruce? You got, there you go. How are you doing this afternoon? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? I could not be better. Big weekend coming up. Big weekend we just had. Nothing but fun in the summer in Indy, right? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. After a, I live right down the street from the track. After the race let out, it was nonstop sirens for about two and a half hours. <laughs> the people in Indianapolis know how to have fun, and they know how to get arrested. I tell you what. Well, heck, they, they shut down the whole city just to scooch everybody out. <laughs> yeah, right. What do you think about T.Y.? So when I think about T.Y., well, this is just kind of my thoughts in general. When it comes to, like, veteran players, I just kind of rather re-sign my own than bring some someone else's random old guy in to try to learn the system when Keith yeah. Jordan knows the system. And I think he's still got some game left anyhow. Do you think that with Matt Ryan, he would look a lot more like the T.Y. who is getting th- passes thrown to him by Philip Rivers than the guy last year who's getting the ball thrown to it by Carson Wentz. Yes, 100%. No doubt. I think on time, on target means a lot, doesn't it? Uh, uh, yes. I mean, I just think for that one play last year where the ball sailed over T.Y.'s head, I, I just keep thinking about that. That was an accurate pass. You know, maybe they just went to the playoffs. Were you surprised they moved away from Wentz so quickly? No, not one bit. He didn't have it, did he? Yeah. I just that blew my mind when you have a guy of that talent, whether you're handing him the ball or throwing him the ball, you want to get him the ball as much as possible. Just good things happen. Every time he catches the ball, every time he got an on-time pass last year, it was 70 yards. And I think we're going to see a whole lot more of that this coming year as we see um, uh, as we see Matt Ryan target. And thank you for the call. I really appreciate it as we see him target tight ends and running backs. I think he's going to utilize Naheem Hines at a higher level. I think he's also going to utilize Jonathan Taylor. It wouldn't surprise me to see Matt Ryan throw 650 passes and and Jonathan Taylor reduce his workload as a runner to about two and a quarter. And that wouldn't bother me. And and people get like sideways about that as, as we talk about it. Um, you know what? And and I don't. I, I think a running back going for 1,800-plus yards is a sign of doom for an offense. Uh, let's talk to Noah. Noah, make sure and unmute yourself. How are you doing this afternoon? Noah left the queue. I don't know what's – Noah, are you mad at me? Uh, but if you look at the history of the NFL – 
the NFL does not reward teams that feed the guy, feed a running back to football at the level that the Colts did with Jonathan Taylor, even when Jonathan Taylor was as good as he was. All right, Noah, there you're back. Make sure and unmute yourself. How you doing this afternoon? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Wonderful. I got what a question for about, you. What do you think about T.Y.? What do you think about Jonathan Taylor, the direction of the offense? I think that, like, if you – I think that T.Y. Hilton should come back. And hey, I think that if you – favor, Noah, so we can hear you real clearly. You got a TV on in the background or something. Can you turn down your TV? Yeah. Perfect. Sorry about that. That No problem. No problem at all. Uh, so you want T.Y. back? Yeah. I would, I would you, prefer to have him back. What do you think he's got left in the tank, and why do you think he should come back at the age of about to turn 33? I think it's the change of quarterbacks, in my opinion. Yeah. If you have a guy like Carson Wentz, and then you have a guy like Matt Ryan, it's totally different for – the wide receiver because it's different accuracy and different timing for him, which I think he would have help better help on catches and stuff. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. What do you think about the workload for for Jonathan Taylor? Do you want to see him get the football that often and and pile up yardage in the same way he did last year? I think that it should be split evenly or close to even. We're we're. The defenses don't know if you're loading a buck or you're going to like run or you're going to run the play or you're going to pass. Perfect. Thanks very much for the call, Noah. I really appreciate it. That's Noah. You can uh, come on board yourself if you like. If you just want to listen, you can. But if you want to come on board and, and share your thoughts as we talk about Jonathan Taylor, here's the thing. 23 running backs in the history of the NFL have run for more than 1,800 yards. Of those running backs, one played for a Super Bowl winner, and that one was Terrell Davis as he was playing against Jamal Anderson, another 1,800-yard runner. So the only time an 1,800-yard runner has been on a championship team has been when he went against another guy who did the exact same thing. And, And running the football at that level is not conducive to going out and winning games, getting to the playoffs, and going and winning a Super Bowl. It's just not. You've got to be able to throw the football. You've got to be able to throw the football well because teams in the playoffs, they can stop the run. And if you're run heavy, if you're run dominant in your offense, you've got a problem going up against a stout defense like Buffalo's who, who's going to be able to stop, put eight in the box, and make you try to throw it. And if you're if you're not a team that's comfortable doing that, you got a real problem, as we saw with the Colts the last two games of the regular season last year at home against the Raiders and on the road against Jacksonville. They just couldn't move the football, especially against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they were the worst team in the NFL, for God's sake, last year. And, and the Colts couldn't go out there and score against them until it was too late. And, and that is because teams started selling out against the run. Who are you going to take away? You know, Bill Belichick has won a lot of championships thinking this way, defensively. On the other side of the ball, who are we taking away? Their best threat, we're taking that guy away. He is not going to beat us. And I'm talking about receivers or backs, quarterbacks you really can't control at that level. 
And so teams last year, once they figured out that Jonathan Taylor was an absolute beast, a rampaging beast, what happened? They shut down the Colts' entire offense because the Colts couldn't move the ball through the air. That's a problem. And if even if your defense is creating 33 turnovers like the Colts did, if you can't stop the opposing offense while your offense can't generate a lot of yards, you're in deep trouble. Like that's, that is absolutely a, uh, a recipe for doom. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Bruce. Make sure and unmute yourself, Bruce. I appreciate you taking the time to call. Sure. His attempts, rushing attempts, are going to go down. I think his receiving uh, targets are going to go up. But I think his total average rushing yards per attempt will go up. Wow. You you know, he ran uh, at a a five-and-a-half-yard clip last year. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I thought it was like 5.4 or something. Yeah. That's a lot. I'm hoping he gets up to like six. Wow. That would be that'd be borderline historic and really, really welcome. We'd love to see a six yard yard for carry guy. I I agree with you. I think he's gonna get more balls through the air and significantly fewer balls running the football because I think they're gonna be able to throw it successfully. And Frank Reich has said, and when he said it, I thought, man, that's a real specific number. I don't know where it comes from. But he said he wants to throw 57% of the time. And last year, they didn't get close to 57. I think they were at 51 or 52. To get to 57, obviously, that's going to come at the expense of your running game. And I think that that might do some, do some good in prolonging Jonathan Taylor's career. Yes. Yes. I don't want to see him like Derrick Henry last year where he just gets beat down to the point to break something. You know, he won the NFL rushing title by over 550 yards. He had more he had more than 550 yards more than the second most prolific running back in the NFL last year. And and that tells you two things. Number 1, he is an absolute stud of a running back. And number 2, the Colts were way too dependent on him, more dependent on him by far than the other 31 teams in the NFL were willing to be dependent upon a running back. He carried the team, you know, several games. Just carried them. Yep, he did. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it. Um, we have uh, – this is going to be a, a really interesting season for the Indianapolis Colts because they're kind of – this is a season on the brink. Last year there was a little bit of breakage, right, because nobody thought that the Colts would have the temerity – to expel Carson Wentz from the roster after just one year after dealing a one and a three for him. But they did that. And, and I think that that was largely at the assist, insistence of Jim Irsay. And did you know that he's still around Indianapolis? My son saw him eating over at Cafe Patichu, uh last week and with his family, two kids, his wife. I always questioned with Carson Wentz his like his level of sanity. I I think the more insane the quarterback, the more needy the quarterback, the better the chance you're going to have a guy who does what it absolutely takes to be able to win. And I think Carson Wentz is just a little bit too sane to kind of go there. I think Andrew Luck was not. And Andrew Luck recognized that he wasn't. 
And that was part of the reason he retired because he only knows how to play one way. And that way puts his body in harm's way. And he didn't want to go through the constant routine of the rehab. We've been down that road a million times. Everybody understands the story of Andrew Locke. But I think it was his acknowledgement of his own insanity that drove him to retire. And I think that Carson Wentz, having a set of priorities that did not put the football team necessarily first, I, I think that that was deleterious to his run here in Indianapolis. There are other position battles on the field that I think are going to be really interesting. And I think one that bears watching is if T.Y. Hilton comes back, he's going to be on the field. He's not going to stand on the sideline. He isn't going to be returning punts. He's going to be on the field at least as a gadget guy or periodically as a guy in the slot. That's going to come at the expense of somebody if everybody's healthy. Michael Pittman Jr. is solid at the number one. Then you've got Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell, who are both kind of jockeying for the number two. And Paris Campbell is 100% healthy at this point. And if he can stay healthy and Pierce stays healthy and Hilton's healthy and Pittman's over there at number one, you got four wide receivers for a maximum of three spots in an offense that does enjoy running a, a two tight end set. And so you can only have two wide receivers on the field then. They didn't draft Alec Pierce to sit. And so if they sign Hilton and Campbell stays healthy, I I don't know how you you kind of massage that with those guys. And Paris Campbell's in an option year. So at the end of this year, he's going to be a free agent. He wants on the field. He wants to put up numbers. He wants to show people that he's healthy and can stay healthy so he gets paid at the end of next year, either by the Colts or somebody else. T.Y. Hilton coming back would put that in jeopardy a little bit, and I think that that's kind of interesting. Uh, activate yourself as a caller. I want to hear from you. Uh, if, if you're listening, this is a caller participation deal. This isn't just me talking. I want to hear what you have to say as well. I think Rodrigo Blankenship is the kicker. He bugs me a little. You know, it it is a a little bit about brand. And he is such an odd character and and loves playing with the Legos. And there's nothing wrong with that. Who doesn't love playing with Legos? But he's got the rec specs. And he's not tremendously accurate from far. And he just doesn't look like he's real confident. I I don't know. We'll see um, exactly what happens with that uh competition but let's go to zach let's talk to uh let's talk to zach make sure and unmute yourself and uh what do you think about ty what do you think about position battles hey ken uh i'll give you some input and then and then i have a question for you but uh sure. w- with ty you know i'm i'm a you know big time andrew luck fan so i was watching him early in his career uh and then after that my knowledge uh of him is really limited to fantasy football and i know he just kind of struggled to be healthy and when he was on the field, he didn't really produce a lot of numbers. But I think, uh, you know, it can't be underestimated having a, a battle-tested veteran on a roster that's really trying to uh, – it sounds like the Colts are trying to win now, especially like with Matt Ryan. Um, you know, Matt Ryan maybe has a lower ceiling than Carson Wentz, but he's maybe a better quarterback for T.Y. So I'd probably uh, say I'm a little more – bullish on T.Y. than I was with Wentz, especially now with Pittman having solidified himself. T.Y. seems like one of those guys who 
um, you know, similar to OBJ when OBJ then went to, to LA and you had all this attention on Cooper cup. And then all of a sudden Odell's getting touchdowns and, and wide open looks, well, you could probably see that, see the same, uh, from TY, especially with the strong running game and, and JT, the play action will probably open things up. Uh, and candidly, I don't know much about the Colts beyond, you know, Quentin Nelson, Matt, Matt Ryan, uh, and, and, and Jonathan Taylor, but that's kind of my two cents. And I, I agree with you. I, I think with Matt Ryan and the way this team wants to perform, right, they wouldn't be signing T.Y. Hilton to come into the wide receiver room and kind of shepherd these young guys into adulthood and be a mentor without productivity, being that they're in a win-now scenario, which they are, and, and so much so that Jim Ursay held that meeting after the Jaguars lost and, and said, okay, boys, we're, we're blowing this thing up. Carson Wentz has got to go figure out the quarterback position, but we're saying goodbye to that guy. That lit a fire under the front office. Bringing in Matt Ryan was a gift, a miracle in Frank Reich's uh, words. And Matt Ryan being able to hit a guy on time and on target. And you know what, Zach, it's interesting you bring up Andrew Luck because Mo Ali Cox did yesterday too. He said that he was talking to Jack Doyle and said, you know what, he's got some Andrew in him in that he is exceptionally demanding, wants the guys to want the football in a specific place, and that's where he's going to deliver it. But he he said that he's told Jack Doyle, who just retired a a few months ago, in a phone conversation, that Matt Ryan's got some Andrew in him, and I liked hearing that. Yeah, well, you know, Matt knows. I think there's something to be said about quarterbacks knowing how to play and utilize their weapons. I have a very good high school friend who's a big OU Sooners fan. He's been on the Baker Mayfield train since since day one, and Baker's probably been ridiculed more than he deserves. He did play injured. But, you know, my biggest knock on Baker was he couldn't utilize his best advantage. And I know there's there's drama with Odell, but it's not a positive thing when people say, oh, when Odell went down, then Baker became very good. Like that's you need to be able to manage talent and utilize talent and what sometimes erratic passers and players like a Wentz and Baker uh, fail to do is capitalize on that. And sometimes there's something to be said about just hitting the guy who's wide open on the go route or beats the man yeah. on a slant. And, you know, Matt's had it with Julio. He had it with uh, Roddy White way back in the day when he first started uh, last year. Um, what's his name? Pitts. Uh, obviously, Calvin yeah. Ridley, he utilized Cordero Patterson. So, and again, this is me from maybe a novice perspective, but, you know, he's Matt seems like one of those guys that if you surround him with talent, he's going to get the most out of them. And, and I know he's, you know, older now, but he's he's a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. You know, arguably, if he had a better or more competent offensive coordinator in the second half of 2017, he's probably a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say I would take Joe Flacco over Matt Ryan for a career. I think Matt Ryan is pretty clearly the better quarterback. So, you know, it's unfortunate. It's only, you know, later in his career, the Colts are getting him. But I think there's a lot to be said. Maybe Matt is going to be what the Colts hoped Carson would be, which is that upgrade over Jacoby Brissett as someone who can capitalize on having that elite offensive line, the elite run game. Um, Last thing I want to add real quick, Kent, before I hop off is, I, I tuned into the Bears Collins show a couple days ago. A couple days ago, and I asked them, from a neutral fan perspective, or if you're a fan of another team, what to expect when you're matching up against the Bears. You know, there's they traded Khalil Mack, and so 
what to think about the teams of the coming season. I want to ask that same question to you, you know, me as, as a Cowboys fan. If the Cowboys are going into Lucas Oil and, and they're, they're matching up with the Colts, what can I expect to get, look out for, take advantage of, if you could shed a little light on that? What you're going to – Bears fans are going to be driven crazy by Matt Eberflus's need for whatever reason. I, I, Matt Eber, Eberflus is all about forcing turnovers. Everything is driven toward that. And there are times when I think he wants to keep the defense on the field in order to be able to generate more turnovers. And sometimes that means allowing the opposing offense to convert a first down on third and eight. It's maddening. And it was maddening here for four years as Eberflus continued to set up like a shell zone 12 yards deep on third and eight. And, and not really defend it and just allow people to convert first downs. They're going to generate more turnovers. They're not going to pressure the quarterback adequately. And they are going to allow a ton of long drives that will exhaust the Bears' defense. And, and it's good they got rid of Khalil Mack because Khalil Mack would have been utterly wasted in the Matt Eberflus scheme. I appreciate it, Zach. Thanks for taking the time. Um, one thing that Zach brought up that I think is really, really interesting, uh, that is about the simplification of sports and, and the complication of sports. There was a sign in the Indiana basketball locker room for years and years and years while Bob Knight was there, while Mike Davis was there, and it said, I don't, it may still be there, don't complicate winning. And that always drove me a little bit nuts because, you know, it, it's not real active. When you start anything with a don't, that, that bothers me a little bit. You, you want to say, attack the baseball. You don't want to say, don't swing at a bad pitch. You know, you, you, you want to be positive in your vernacular so that people can turn that into action. Any, at any rate, what I would say is keep success simple. And Matt Ryan does that. And Philip Rivers did that. That's what happened. When a, when a sports team is operating correctly, it looks really easy. As we watch tonight, watch the NBA Finals, and these are two good basketball teams, and the Warriors we're a little more familiar with, and people think the Warriors are going to win, but don't sell the Celtics short. At any rate, what the Warriors are going to do, if they're working really well, is they're going to make it look real simple to hit threes. Klay Thompson and Steph Curry are going to hit three after three after three, and it's going to be like, why, why can't Boston defend these guys? They keep it simple. If you keep football simple, if you hit the open receiver, if you block in the way you're supposed to block and you open a hole where it's supposed to be open, or if you're supposed to block a guy and monitor a space to create a pocket for Matt Ryan, just do that. Don't complicate it. Don't try to do more than what you've been assigned. Do your job. Do it correctly and trust the other 10 guys to do it. And life gets so much simpler. And you know this from working wherever it is that you work. When everybody is doing their job and not making their job difficult and not creating drama, things get really easy. And success just, it seems like it just comes out of nowhere. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's wonderful. And that's where the Colts have got to get to. I think they were they were hyper simple on the offensive or on the defensive end under Eberflus. Way too simple. But I think that their scheme 
while being simple, also complicated their ability to win because they just flat out allowed teams to get first downs. And the offense, because Carson Wentz liked to complicate things and and liked to make the big spectacular play and not take the easy play. Like if you're a, if you're a Colts fan, how many times did you see Naheem Hines over in the flat by himself without anybody within 20 yards? That's because Carson Wentz never utilized him. How many times uh, on the opposite end with Matt Ryan while watching the Falcons, did you see him utilize his tight end, whoever the tight end was, whether it was Pitts last year, Gonzalez at the beginning of Matt Ryan's career, or Hooper or Tammy or whoever he had at tight end. How many times did you see that guy get the ball when he was open and be able to run with it? Like that happened all the time. It's fantastic. It is so much fun to watch. That's what he does. That's what Matt Ryan does. That's what Philip Rivers did. Philip Rivers made the offense easy. When you make things easy, that activity becomes fun and repeatable. And that's where I think the Colts are headed with Matt Ryan. Matt, Mo Ali Cox said yesterday when we were at the Colts complex for the media availability, said that Matt Ryan will stop receivers in the hallway and say, okay, if we're running X and the defense is running Y, what do you do? And if the guy doesn't know, Matt Ryan explains it. He's holding people accountable in the halls like Professor Kingsfield did in The Paper Chase. Great movie with John Houseman and Timothy Bottoms. And uh, uh, that lady who played the, uh, the bionic woman. Ooh. At any rate, that, that's what you do. You, you, you put people in a position where they feel like they must learn, then they learn, then they produce, and it's all wonderful and good, and it causes winning football. And you really feel like the Colts are on the precipice of something good if they can stay healthy. If they don't stay healthy, none of this matters. Like We can talk to her blue in the face about what the Colts are going to do and how they're going to do it. Scheme doesn't matter if you don't have health. And one thing that I'm really worried about, and we'll continue to monitor this, and we'll look at, the, at minicamp, and hopefully we get a chance to see Darius Leonard and get a chance to talk to him a little bit. But he's still got the ankle problem. And you need a fully ambulatory Darius Leonard for this thing to work. That uh, The Gus Bradley defense, you need that Leo. And Yannick Ngakwe is as good at that as anybody is. And that's why he keeps following Gus Bradley around. Wherever Gus goes, Ngakwe goes. You need a free safety who can flat play. And that's why they drafted Nick Cross just in case. Julian Blackman can't be back. And Julian Blackman says he's going to be back from that torn Achilles. Um, he'll be about nine months clear of the injury when they report for camp, but he's already on, he's already doing work. He was at OTAs yesterday doing some work. Nick Cross, Julian Blackman, maybe you have two high safeties. Those two guys, they are really important, along with the Leo, along with Darius Leonard, who is a tackle generation and turnover generation machine. And I can't wait to see what happens. Thanks for joining us. This is really fun. Uh, in, enjoyed it. Good callers. Really appreciate it. Noah and Bruce and uh, Zach, wonderful stuff. And uh, we'll do it again next week. And what we're going to try to do is, is do this when news breaks. No news broke. <laughs>
this week. I was hoping that today they were going to sign T.Y. Hilton, and it didn't get done. But when things happen, as they may during minicamp, when minicamp happens, we'll be at the Colts Complex, and we can talk Colts football. And I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Uh, Tell your friends. Recommend us. Let's go.